entire... Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hello, welcome to the Steve Jones Show here on Dub- News Radio 1070 WKOK from the s- sponsored by Sunbury Motors, sunburymotors.com, Sunbury Motors Kia on 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is, uh, we are live in the Sunbury Motors studios here in Sunbury. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs, of course, today. Uh, AFC Championship game is uh, the early game. Uh, Chiefs at Raiders late game is the Lions at 49ers. Uh, is anybody out there not rooting for Detroit? Uh, I can think of one person I know that's a 49ers fan, oh, but no, other than there, that. <laughs> no, there's one There's one lonely rube out there I know that is, yeah. I, I know that guy, too. I <laughs> People are kind of getting sick of the 49ers, I think. And it's not like they've been winning every year. They don't. Um, but I don't know. Now, Detroit hasn't been there. That's a big part of it. But still. Yeah. Big part. I I saw one of those stupid graphics where, you know, America's rooting for and it's all the Lions. And then there's that little part of uh, California that's red for San Francisco. And that sounds about right to me, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right, so here's a yeah, let, let's get a couple of interesting points. Uh, the Super Bowl referees have been announced, and Bill Vinovich, uh, to no one's surprise, he's one of the best. He'll be the lead referee. But see who the umpire is? I didn't. Former Nittany Lion outside linebacker, defensive end Terry Killens. Terry, after he was done with his uh, NFL career, got into officiating and worked his way up. I mean, he was in the American for a long time, conference. I'm talking about All-American Conference, college football. Did that. Got his way into the NFL. He's an umpire. And to his credit, has worked his way to a spot where he's done so well with it he is the umpire for the Super Bowl. So, I figured we'd start out with something maybe a lot of people didn't know. But yes, there is a Penn Stater on the officiating crew. Also, uh, Pro Football Writers Association, we already mentioned the all-rookie team, Jair Bryan of the 49ers and Joey Porter Jr. of the Steelers made it. And overall, uh, Micah Parsons was the first team selection uh, by the Pro Football Writers um, on their all-pro team. So we thought we'd get that in there. Now let's get into this. 
Okay. Let's. This is interesting. In college football expansion, we have seen over and over again the brands that have been moving around the board. Texas, Oklahoma, USC, Washington, Oregon, UCLA. And we're now seeing the confrontation take place between the ACC and Florida State, which is going to drag into a legal battle. Tony Altimore, T.J. Altimore, put this out, which was just, I mean, this tells you everything. He put this tweet out yesterday on X. This is an eight-season sample size, 2016 to 2023. 50% of the college football viewership comes from just 18 teams. That's 13% of the Division I teams, FBS. Just 13%. So, who are the coveted 18? Well, let's start with this. Let's kill any suspense. Penn State is one of them. All right. You have, in the end, eight SEC teams, seven Big Ten teams, two ACC teams, and one independent. Congratulations to UMass for cracking. No, I'm just kidding. It's not UMass. So here we go. Over 130 teams. 50% of the total viewership comes from, let's go with the uh, Big Ten, uh, the SEC first. And this is going to include the membership moving forward. That's why it's eight. Alabama, Georgia. So far, no surprises, right? Oklahoma, LSU, Texas, Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee. The two ACC schools are Clemson and Florida State. The independent is Notre Dame. Hey, Now, you notice Oklahoma and Texas are right there in the coveted 18, thus going to the SEC. In the Big Ten, it's Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Washington, Southern Cal and Oregon. Notice the newcomers. And where they are. What an amazing coincidence. Yep. <laughs> so if you're wondering why things were put together in a way they are put together and why the SEC is getting the money it's getting and why the Big Ten is getting the money it's getting... It revolves around the 15 schools I just talked about. Eight in the SEC and seven in the Big Ten. And of those 15 schools, five change conferences and will start playing this year. So it's a third. Oklahoma, Texas, Washington, Oregon, USC. Of the bottom 71 schools, 
which make up 53%. Only 10% of America watches their games. How about that? I guess we know how many people are hardcore college football fans, I guess. I mean, those it tells are, you it, this is this it tells you everything about brands. Yeah. I'll never forget a year ago at looking at Rutgers numbers. And I say this with all due respect cuz you know how much I like Greg Schiano and you know. I mean, I mean Greg's a good guy. Okay? Uh, and I saw what their average viewership was. Now, remember, they play every year up until this upcoming season. They play every year Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Every year, because they're in the same division. Yet last year, despite having, you know you're getting more viewers for a Rutgers-Ohio State game. You know you're getting more viewers for a Rutgers-Penn State game. You know you're getting more viewers for a Rutgers-Michigan game. Yet they still averaged only 650,000 viewers last year because the other games they played in were in the tank. This tell I mean, this, to me, T.J. Altimore, to his credit, went out and did good work here. Putting all this, this is an eight-year sample size. This isn't some snapshot. This is an eight-year sample size. And that's, you know, that's the way it is. That's why these schools are all involved in the big money deals. It's who they are. Do you see this kind of eventually them uh, separating might be the the big uh, wrong word for it, but just being almost the haves and have nots in 15, 20 years, it just where it's just those 18 teams in the, in the, uh, in one major conference, maybe. Uh, interesting question. I would say that the one thing you don't want to do if you were the Big Ten of the SEC, there is no question that the Vanderbilts, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, to a point, Missouri, you know, I mean, you know it's interesting who's not in there. It's Texas A&M. I think that's interesting. Um, some of those just by birthright Vanderbilt Northwestern right Rutgers I mean because of the luck of the draw where they ended up they're financially fine right? but are they contributing to what's going on but you need competition you can't have Here's the issue. Say say these 18 break away. Well, guess what the combined records of the 18 are going to be? 500. Why? Because somebody has to win, somebody has to lose. And that's going to affect what you're watching. 
you need somebody else to go out there and play. You need somebody else to go out there and somebody else to beat, too, to then set up these games. Alabama needs to go out and beat uh, Vanderbilt. Georgia needs to go out and beat South Carolina. And as you're inching your way toward the Titanic sh- uh, showdown. Now, everybody needs to beat Rutgers, Indiana, whatever, to set up big showdowns, which bring with them bring big ratings. So you still need a grouping of schools together, and you never know. You may get a year where one team has a an incredible season. And, wow, it's magical, it's... It's Cinderella type. Uh, but these are the ones that carry the day. Who's not in there? Texas A&M's not in there. Nebraska's not in there. How about that one? Imagine telling somebody in the mid-90s that. Yeah, exactly. And... But these are the ones that carry the day. These are the ones that get you the mega TV contract. And the mega TV contract comes from football. Basketball is a beneficiary. Great winner supplement. But it doesn't carry the day uh, until you get the NCAA uh, distributions. And you look around saying, hey, I'm glad it's on the ledger. All right. But this is where it is. This is why you get a deal with CBS, Fox, NBC. Because when they negotiated that deal, Washington, Oregon, and USC were a part of the mix. That's why instead of having it done by Memorial Day a couple of years ago, it extended into August because they had added in, at that point, USC, UCLA. Now, Oregon and Washington had their own separate Fox supplemented that. My source on that's really good. It's the Big Ten commissioner told me directly. Um, I, I thought it was a good source. Um, it's great that Fox did that. Because guess what? I think the entire conference is, is more exciting, more fun because, because of it. Now, is it more competitive? Oh, yeah. No doubt. But that is... Um, you know, that's what's going to make this thing out. Oklahoma and Texas is going to make everything juicier in the SEC, right? Oh, no doubt about that. Right? And the same thing with Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA. But that's revealing. And the bottom 10% of TV viewership is made up of 71 schools. That's the bottom 10. That's 53% of the schools make up the bottom 10% of the TV ratings. And it's interesting when you see it play out like that, because we've talked about brands before, and we've loosely talked about, well, not loosely. I've been specific about average TV ratings and so forth. But when you get an eight-season sample size that breaks it down like TJ did 
That, to me, is a graphic example of why we see what we see, when we see it, and why people bid on the networks the way they did. Uh, the networks bid on the two conferences the way they did. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment. Got a lot of notes here about the suit considering himself a brand. Hmm. Really? You know, waste management's a brand too. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key, routes 11 and 15, Almost Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Terrific service department. That backs it up. Routine, difficult, they handle it all. They're always looking for more technicians. Want to change jobs? Get in with some real pros, pros, great people to work with. That is Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. See, Zion Williamson almost hit his head on the backboard last night, dunking the ball. I'm just glad to see he's playing. All right, so I have minimum standards, Todd. I mean, to me, if you sign a contract, you should be out there playing. Um, you're injured, you're injured. But there's, I think there are some people in this profession uh, that carry it too far. I say that from 30,000 feet, but he's certainly been hurt a lot. Yes, Yes, he has. I'm also, you know, when you evaluate players, I, I'm, I always believe health is a skill too. I, I think, you know, some people are healthy and some people are injury prone, and that's that's one of the keys in evaluating people in the, in the drafts. And it's not just injury prone. It's like, but like it takes them forever to come back. You're like, oh, let's go here. I no, I'm not till I'm quite ripe. See, there are two types of athletes that drive trainers and doctors nuts. One is, let's go, you know, these are the extremes. One is the gung-ho, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And they're like, no, we've looked at the x-rays or we've looked at the MRI. You're not fine. You need to sit a couple days. No, I'm good. You know, And then they've got to pull the reins in on that guy. And then there's the other one. I can't go. Well, we've looked at the MRI or we've looked at the x-rays. I, I have to give you credit. You have extremely unimpressive x-rays. Hey, what are we doing here? Right? No, no, it just doesn't quite feel right. It doesn't quite feel right. And that was Zion Williamson last year when it came. Remember the playoffs? I can't go until I, I feel like I'm really ready. You're really ready? Huh? How about, like, uh, we'll just go with somebody else from now on that's, like, to their credit, just ready. Right? And then they then they don't understand when people don't get behind them. Well, there's a reason people don't get behind you. You don't play. You know, it's, uh, watching you in street clothes doesn't sell tickets. 
just doesn't do it. But those are the two types that drive trainers and doctors nuts. I I would mention coaches, but to be honest with you, again, for some reason there is this image that the coach, right, he'll force him to play or what. The coach is the one that has zero to do with whether the player plays in terms of the physical form. There are three people in the decision-making process about whether a guy plays. The doctor, the trainer, and the player. And if any one of the three says he or she is a no-go, he or she is a no-go. And that includes the player saying, "I, I just, I, it doesn't feel right. I don't think I can go. And they got to rule them out. Who's the person I didn't mention in that equation? The coach, who then has to deal with it, because they can't force the player to do anything. And for some reason, there's, there's some thought process that, that the coach forces people out there. Like, no, that's not really how life works. Uh, I think it's and, an outdated notion from, like, the 70s. Oh, but, they, but there's a lot of outdated notions. Well, for the, I always, uh, the one I always love is the rah-rah pep talk in the locker room. How are everybody go fight, where are you? Run through the tunnel, crowd's going crazy. And then, well, there's the coin toss, and then there's this, and there's the national anthem. It's like uh, it's like 15 minutes after the emotional speech. Like okay, right? It's it's this is not uh, Pat O'Brien with Ronald Reagan and uh, win one for the Gipper, you know? It's just not the way it is. It's not really how life. Like, it's great that the movies portray it that way. It's fun. It looks good. It's not realistic, but it looks good. Okay. So, and it's exciting to watch. Uh, let's see. So, uh, let's see. Let's see. We're still waiting on Debo Samuel. Still 50 50. Uh, Joe Barry out as the coordinator, the defensive coordinator of the Packers. I'm trying to think where the Packers were so mediocre defensively. I didn't feel like they were. I think they were a little better late in the season. I do know that there was uh, a lot of grapes from Packers fans during the middle of the season that they struggled a little bit defensively. But I, that seems to be one of those positions where you, nobody's ever happy. It just seems that always that the Packers are always unhappy with their defense. <laughs> well, yeah, but they had injuries. Like Alexander was in and out of the lineup, and you know Savage missed a period of time. Uh, but hey, you know what? I'm making that observation from thirty thousand feet as to what's going. I don't know what's going on internally there. Hall of Fame voting. Da, 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 da. We had Bob Nightingale on yesterday. Adrian Beltre made it. Okay, ninety-five percent of the votes. 95%. Uh, pretty impressive number. You get 95%. First year in the ballot. Todd Helton got 79.7%. In his sixth year in the ballot, he makes it. Joe Maurer, first year in the ballot, 76.1%, makes it. Now here are the near misses. Billy Wagner. Ninth year in the ballot, got 73.8%. He's got one more year in the ballot before he goes to the, uh, I guess for the lack of a better term, I'll use Veterans Committee or whatever they're called now. I don't 
think it's like the called the Modern Era Committee. Modern Era like Committee. Yeah. Okay, good. That's good enough. I'll go with you on that. Uh, you ever hear a story about how Billy Wagner? He's great left-handed pitcher. You know Billy Wagner's right-handed, right? I do. Uh, I. I always remember when he first came up or came out of college that he went to Ferrum, or I think that's how you say it in Virginia, and that he uh, I believe he broke his broke his broke right his... arm and was forced to play with his left arm the whole yes. summer. Yes, and that's how he became a left-handed pitcher. But he's right-handed. He's like Phil Mickelson. He's right-handed. Um, Gary Sheffield. Okay, I have stand. I have a standard. As a fan, this is a fan standard. It's not a media standard. I'm watching baseball, and I'm looking on deck, and I fear that guy against my team. That to me is a starting point that this guy is special. Gary Sheffield was like that, and I thought that uh, the explanation that Bob Nightingale gave yesterday about, look, he got caught up in the, the cream situation with Barry Bonds, and it turns out that one year he'd be accused of it. It was his worst statistical year anyway. Um, other than that, the guy was belting home runs all the time. 63.9%. He now goes to the modern player committee. Andrew Jones, defensively superior, offensively had a great run until the last few years where he fell off the uh, offensive cliff. 61.6%. That was his seventh year on. Carlos Beltran was on for the second time, uh, got 57.1%. Alex Rodriguez, third time on. He'll he'll go all the way through. He'll never make it. 34.8%. Manny Ramirez was on for the eighth time, 32.5. He'll never make it. Chase Utley got 28.8%. He only got 111 votes. Omar Vizquel, Omar Vizquel, 17.7, but it's the off the field stuff that's got him buried a bit. Bobby Abreu, 14.8. Jimmy Rollins, 14.8. Let me talk about Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley for a moment. Utley, to me, uh, excellent second baseman, good hitter, terrific postseason player. And then Jimmy Rollins, really good all-around player, part of the heart and soul of the Phillies. But my issue with each is they're both really, really good, but were they, quote, great As a Mets guy, I, my I guess my my simple feelings is I I think Chase is a Hall of Famer. I think Jimmy's just outside it. But I I'm also not a uh, a small hall guy either. Yeah, I think Jimmy Rollins is every team would love to have him. But let's go back to the, on deck. If Jimmy Rollins were on deck, I'm like okay, I'm not all that concerned. I mean, I know he's really good, but I just don't feel like he's going to change the game. Uh, Andy Pettit's next. Great in the postseason, Pettit. Uh, Mark Burley, uh, Francisco Rodriguez, Torrey Hunter, David Wright gets 6.2%. Jose Bautista, 
Uh, got 1.6% because they loved his bat flip. Victor Martinez, Bartolo Colon, Matt Holiday, Adrian Gonzalez. Brandon Phillips got a vote. But Jose Reyes and big game James Shields did not get any votes. So he goes to the historical overview committee. And Sheffield has to wait until December 25. Okay. Uh, Wagner was five votes short. And that's how it played out. Um, Beltre got 95%. How many total votes were there? He got 366. It doesn't really matter. I was going to say, That's it wasn't the total. I, I don't remember the total number of votes, but I did see it's the least amount of people voted for the Hall of Fame since like 1980, the 1983 yeah. season, I think. Yeah. it's It wasn't 400 people. I know that. Yeah. And Jim Leland, by the way, already had been voted in. So... Uh, the this is where it's yeah you had to sit there and look at um, everything that they do in their career and like you know you can look at your eyes and the feeling of it I don't need I mean mean, I would look at certain stats to help back it up but I think um, the 2025 class is interesting because Ichiro is on that. Um, and that's going to be interesting as to how many votes he, he'll make it. Ichiro's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, I mean, there are some people who think he could be unanimous, but I don't know. That doesn't matter. It's a nice designation. That's why Matt and I talked about this. You know how Matt gets emotional about, well, really anything. I was just going to say everything. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And the fact that Dan Shaughnessy did not vote for Derek Jeter. And so he was one vote shy of being unanimous. Awful. It's obvious the whole thing. I said, Pat. I said, yes, it's obvious he should be in the Hall of Fame. I agree. I said, but he's not even remotely the best player in the history of his own franchise. Are you going to pick Derek Jeter over Joe DiMaggio? Are you going to pick Derek Jeter over Mickey Mantle? Are you going to pick Derek Jeter over Babe Ruth? Are you going to pick Derek Jeter over Lou Gehrig? I mean, come on. He's not even the best player in his own franchise. I mean, he's probably not even in the top five of the players in the history of his franchise. All right? I said, I said the key is get to 75%. After that, all the other numbers are gravy. Who cares if you're one vote shy of unanimous? You're in. You're in. It's probably going to be more famous 
that Dan Shaughnessy didn't vote for him and he was one vote short than it would be if he was unanimous. It doesn't matter. He's in, Todd. Who cares? Okay, Beltre got in. What, eight eight people not vote for him? Nine people? What, didn't vote for him? Okay. That's better than being Billy Wagner, who missed by five votes. Okay? Okay. He's all up in arms about one guy not voting for his guy while everybody else did. Meanwhile, Billy Wagner's five votes short. Who do I feel badly for, Derek Jeter or Billy Wagner? I feel badly for Billy Wagner. He's five votes short compared to the gravy guy who has enough money to go out on the on, on the fly when when his uh, plane is can't get off the ground. He can go buy a Wagoneer and drive home. You don't think you rented that thing, do you? I doubt it. No, you bought. He just went, he went to the local dealership, bought. I'm driving home. Come on. I'm pretty sure he went to the local dealership and they went, "Hey, it's Derek Jeter. Want a Jeep?" <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Here are the keys. We'll talk terms later. All right. But yeah, that's. I mean, we get into these petty little arguments that I just sit back and go, "Who cares?" If Dan Shaughnessy voted against Derek Jeter, or didn't include him, did not vote for him, and that made him one vote shy of getting in, now we have a show and an argument. Right? In fact, he's one vote shy unanimous. Who cares? He's in. Billy Wagner's five votes shy. He wishes he had that problem. Come on, you have to have some some level of perspective in all this. This, you know, Gary Sheffield's over there like circling a fogged in airport for ten years trying to get in, still isn't in. Okay, um, it's not easy. And then the Pro Football Hall of Fame one's even more difficult because of all the hundreds to thousands of players, thousands of players available, they can only elect five guys. That's all they can elect. And we've had Peter King on the show, and, you know, we've had McLean on from Houston. He's a Hall of Fame voter. Yeah. Ira Miller, known Ira forever. I remember one time he came into the booth, I think it was at Wisconsin, and he wanted to talk to Jack. He says, look, we're going to be voting on the Hall of Fame here at some point. He said, i got to ask you about Ray Guy. You know, because he says, you competed against him. He said, if you had a vote, would he be a Hall of Famer to you? Jack said, yeah. And then Jack went through a list of reasons why. And it's amazing in Jack's list of reasons, statistics weren't included. Huh. Did it on the impact of the game. It's kind of an odd way to do it, don't you think, Todd? To modern years, probably. I mean, I I use nothing but statistics. Well, good. I'm glad you got a crutch. Good for you. Okay. Uh, I love that stuff. I love that stuff. I mean, it's, and, and like I told you on the show yesterday, people who are numbers, 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 and I think numbers are great because I, I just sat down and was crunching numbers on Minnesota basketball last night. Now, how much of it I'll use in the broadcast Saturday? Mm, I'd say about two to three percent, right? But 
you don't know which two to three percent it is. Just depends on what fits with the game and what I'm seeing. But you can't have numbers be your crutch. You can't. If you really know and understand the game, or you ask enough questions over the years that help give you a better understanding of the game, okay, then you know what you're seeing. And you may look at a number just to back up what, what you're seeing, but no. Yeah. He has a 64 war. I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, what the heck? Like I told you, Shohei Otani gets hurt. The guy replaces him, wins above replacement. I expect that he that Otani will have way more wins than his replacement. Just a gut feeling. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right. I was just out in Columbus, and they were talking to me about NIL when I was out there. Here we go. Dick from Milton is like, oh, no, not NIL again. Which I understand, Dick. But Michigan's victory in the national championship game has Ohio State fans responding. You never want to see a rival hoist the trophy, said Drew Essler, the vice president of operations for the 1870 Society, an organization that aims to raise money from fans to fund endorsement deals for the players. Instead of complaining, everyone's putting their money where their mouth is. They get gifts from anywhere from $1.99 to $5,000 per month. Essler approximated that 60% of the collective's 2,500 members have joined since the Wolverines beat Washington in the title game. C.J. Stroud, by the way, is a platinum member. A tier of between fifty and one hundred thousand dollars. They picked up Caleb Downs, Quinshawn Judkins, the running back from Ole Miss that you saw in the Peach Bowl, Julian Sayan, the five-star quarterback from Alabama, among others. They also lured Will Howard in from Kansas State to be the veteran quarterback. They got Seth McLaughlin from Alabama. But then Nick Saban retired and the door opened. 